0: Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today, you'll hear a sermon from Pastor Stan E. So without further ado, here he is. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, if you don't know me, if you're new to Harvest, my name is Stan, and I'm. The, it's my privilege actually to serve as the executive pastor, executive pastor here at Harvest Community Church. Um, so I just want to make sure everything is set up here. Uh, for a little bit later. Okay, so uh, as we enter into the fourth week of Advent, um, you know Christmas is just around the corner, right? It's, uh, I can't believe it's it's coming up in a week. Uh, I think you know all of us. I could I could just sense it's just very busy, uh, myself included. I still have probably half my gifts that I have to. <laughs> I can't order on Amazon because, you know, I don't know if it will get in here in time. But um, I'm sure it's just so busy and it's really hard, I think, for a lot of us just to enjoy the season and to reflect. Um, And I I believe that that's why we we gather together on Sundays is really to create space for us to be able to have just a moment, a time in the morning on Sundays just to reflect on, you know, who Jesus is and even the season. And the other pastors, um, starting a couple of weeks ago, have guided us in reflecting on who Jesus is, right? Uh, Pastor Dave started with us as Jesus as Savior, Uh, then Pastor Jeff, Jesus as King, Pastor Frank then as Jesus as Emmanuel, and then today as I'll be guiding you guys in reflection on Jesus as our Prince of Peace. And so today, to start us off, I'd like to actually share from a passage, Um, it's Isaiah Uh, chapter 9 verses 6 through 7 and after I read this for us and then I'll I'll pray for our time together this is from uh, the message for a child uh, for a child has been born for us the gift of a son for us he'll take over the running of the world his name will be amazing counselor strong God eternal father prince of wholeness His ruling authority will grow, and there'll be no limits to the wholeness he brings. Let me pray for us. Father, we pray for this time as we just study your word, as we reflect on it, and even as we are prompted by it. Father, I pray that our hearts would be open to you, that despite the busyness, despite maybe the things that we feel that are weighing us down, maybe even other things are really just occupying our minds right now. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just be with us. Lord, be our Prince of Peace at this time. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. So I picked this passage, uh, or the translation of the passage, the message, because I, I really like how it translated peace. Um, if we could bring that up again. okay. Um, actually, the word... Uh, for peace in Hebrew is is shalom. And shalom, I think, has a broader meaning than just our English translation of peace. I I feel like in, in our English understanding of peace, a lot of times we think of it as the absence of conflict or the absence of problems. But shalom is really bigger than that. It's really talking about wholeness or even completeness. Right, so maybe even physically, like. Shalom can refer to like a block that's, that has no cracks in it, it's fully complete. But it also can refer to a person's well-being. You know, life can be complex, full of relationships and situations and just so many different moving parts, right? But shalom can refer to a wholeness to that. And so actually today I'd like to first start off with just this kind of brief illustration. Um, Our sister, Karen Arceo, as they were sharing about Tove, kind of struck this idea to me. and She actually told me that this comes from uh, her thing called Ultimate Journey that she kind of leads uh, different groups through. So uh, here, let me uh, see if I can get this out of the way. Oh, no, it's okay. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) I just need a little bit of room to draw. Okay, so forgive me, I am not an artist. I am an engineer by trade, so, so you will, so hopefully everyone can see this. <laughs> this is, uh, this represents your life. <laughs> and uh, so, um, you know, to show that this is, think about this as your whole life, and shalom would be this. So, I think maybe some of us may be feeling this way right now, everything is complete, everything is, you know, even in that sense, at peace, right? But what life does is this. For example, maybe this morning as you're coming here to service, someone cut you off, which actually happened to me this morning. <laughs> and then this. Like a child is crying or really needs something, and you were running late, and this, now you just feel like all flustered and you can't be here. Or this. You had a fight with your spouse that you still feel like hasn't been really resolved. Or this. There are people here in this room that just you really, it's really hard for you to even see this morning because there might be some unresolved conflict. And so our life ends up like this. I don't know if you guys can see this. I was going to tape it, but just for the sake of time, I'm not going to. But it's just pieces, fractured pieces that we just... It's just so hard for us, even this morning... To feel a sense of wholeness or peace. And I think that's why it's really good to really reflect on that meaning of shalom. That really what God is really talking about in his word is this sense of wholeness. And all of us, all of us here really desire that sense of wholeness. All of us here, as life does this to us, really wants to get back Something like this sheet of paper where we are fully whole, fully complete with ourselves, with each other, and most of all with God. So, this morning I'd like to just talk about ways that we can experience wholeness. And really, just two things one, a helpful way to experience wholeness, and then a second, an unhelpful way that can really prevent us from experiencing wholeness. So I'm going to start with the unhelpful way first, because I think sometimes uh, as we think about these things, it's hard for us to even see that certain things are unhelpful. And then I'll talk about the helpful way. So the unhelpful way is settling for superficial wholeness. Settling for superficial wholeness. And the Bible Talks about this in different ways, but there's one passage I feel like God has really led me to, that I think is more direct about this. And this is from Jeremiah, chapter six, verses 13 to uh, 15, or sorry, 14, and it says this: It says, "For from the least of them to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for gain, and from the prophet to the priest, everyone deals falsely." They have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying peace, peace, but there is no peace. Heavy passage. Not gonna lie, it's it's uh, you know I think I think even reading this, just there was a lot of even for myself wrestling and just studying this uh, this passage in Jeremiah, wondering if this is what really God wanted to share with us. But really, to understand this, you have to understand the historical context of this this passage in the book of Jeremiah and just really quick at that time there were really two big regional political powers right there was Babylon and there was Egypt and Babylon was this rising power and they were getting really big and then Egypt was an old established power and Israel at the time was a nation and they were stuck right in between uh, geographically so Egypt or sorry Egypt to the south and Babylon to the north and so Because they were right in the middle, there was pressure on both sides for them to choose, either be pro-Babylon or pro-Egypt. And on top of that, uh, there was the leaders and the religious uh, and the priests and the prophets that were really just talking about how they were protected because they were God's people. That as long as the temple stood in Jerusalem, that God was going to protect them. And so because of that belief, they thought that the most important thing for their nation at the time was to be loyal, was to be unified as a nation, as a country, as the people of God. That everything else was secondary. But in this passage, and, in, and actually throughout the whole book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah really points out that there's more going on. There is something deeper. Jeremiah thought that the primary issue was that the people of Israel were not being faithful in their relationship with God. It was more than just about addressing the looming threat of Babylon or Egypt. It was more fundamental than that. It was about them turning to God for real wholeness, real peace, and a recommitment to follow God's ways. And here, let me show this again. Verse 14 says it all. It says here, it says, They have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. And so this might seem very far away, right? Babylon, Egypt, you know. I mean, Babylon doesn't even exist anymore, and I don't know if anyone's been to Egypt, but, you know, (laughs) it's not not a big power these days. And so let me just bring this a little bit closer to home. All right, so it's Christmas. A lot of us are going to see our extended families. I'm actually going to travel... And, you know, to New Jersey to see Faith's family and stuff like that. And I believe, you know, a lot of us, Christmas, it's, it's enjoyable, right? We want to spend time with our families, want to have dinner and everything. But sometimes, I bet half of us in this room see that as something that we want to just avoid as much as possible. That time with our extended families or even with our own families is not fun, is not at peace or wholeness that we just we want to avoid it like the plague and you know i think what's what's really hard is i think a lot of that stems from like there's a lot of sometimes conflict or brokenness that we've experienced with our families that we find that there might be ongoing conflicts that we're experiencing and because of those ongoing conflicts just being with people that we have are in conflict with is just so difficult and so draining just even imagine, have you ever been at a dinner where you have, you just know that there, maybe it's not you, maybe it's two other family members, that there's this ongoing conflict between them and you're having dinner together. And the dinner is in absolute silence. I don't know if anyone has, but I have, <laughs> I have. And uh, let me tell you, I'm not gonna name any names because you know this is on livestream, I don't know if they're watching. <laughs> But but yeah, wow. I mean, I, I wasn't in conflict with anybody, but man, woo, it is uh, not a fun dinner. You're just eating. I'm just like, I just remember like really looking at, I mean, I had a nice piece of steak. I'm just cutting it. I'm trying to think, should I eat fast or should I eat slow? <laughs> because if I eat fast, then maybe I can leave. But if I eat slow, then maybe, you know, like, I don't know. It was, uh, it was just it's a bad place to be. And, you know, like, this is what really Jeremiah is talking about, that wholeness, this unhelpful way, is, is a lot of times we think that just having a family dinner, a Christmas dinner, as long as there's no arguing, there's no shouting, people are not at each other's throats, that's peace. That's wholeness. But what we don't realize is that there's this, all this brokenness the the fractures that all of us experience. And underneath that real wholeness is facing, facing that brokenness underneath. So let me take this even closer. Do you personally feel that there is brokenness right now in your life? Are there relationships with either your spouse, your children, other people here at Harvest that you feel that there is this sense of just fracturing, a sense of a lack of peace, a lack of wholeness. Are we settling to just be polite to each other? Because in our minds, that is what peace is about. We might come in and we might smile. We might say hi. We might even give each other a hug. But underneath all of that, there is brokenness. There is fracturing. And like Jeremiah and what God has told him, I think God is calling us to really take a hard look at the brokenness that we all have inside of us, and the brokenness that I get it, that you know, there are real hurts that we've experienced, real pain that people have caused us. I don't want to minimize that, not even for a second. But if we don't face the pain, the brokenness, that sometimes even ourselves, that we have caused or we have caused others, then there is no peace. There is no peace. There is no wholeness that God has called us to, that Jesus has given us. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you guys to just take that look at yourselves and bring it to God. Because you're not alone in this. You're not alone in the pain and the brokenness that you may be feeling. You're not alone in the conflicts that you're facing. That God is with you, just even as Pastor Frank preached on last Sunday. And that you can take it to God, because ultimately, he is our king. As Pastor Jeff preached on. That he is the king of all of us here in this room. And that ultimately, he has saved all of us. even as Pastor Dave preached and because of that we can turn to him and that he can lead us to wholeness together so that's the unhelpful way towards wholeness let me talk about a helpful way towards wholeness Um, it's struggling struggling towards wholeness and this I want to share with you and read from Ephesians chapter 2, 14-16. through 16. And this is actually from the NLT translation. It reads, For Christ himself has brought, us, brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of laws with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. So we see here that Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and how Jesus has brought peace and wholeness to Jews and Gentiles. And for Paul, this was the heartbeat of the gospel message that he was sharing. That Jesus' death and resurrection brought reconciliation, a new creation to Jews and Gentiles. But I think to get really the fuller story of what, the, uh, what Paul was sharing and the lifelong struggle that he faced, we just need a little bit more background in this, in this world of the ethnic and religious tensions between actually Jews and Gentiles. So, you know... I want to share this because I I believe this really helps us even understand what it means to struggle to wholeness. So the church in Ephesus was really made up of Gentile Christians. And, you know, just for those of you that aren't familiar, Gentile means just non-Jewish, like other, other people. And, you know, I think one thing that's really not really talked about as much or taught is that the early church was actually first made up of mostly Jews. Um, you know, maybe for some of you that's, that's pretty obvious, right, because the disciples and Jesus were Jews. But really, that early church centered in Jerusalem was made up of Jews who believed in Jesus as their Messiah. And from there, they went and shared that message to other people outside Judea and then eventually across the whole Mediterranean world. Right, and because of that spread, a lot of people who were not Jewish, Gentiles, believed and really wanted to be part of God's people. But this led to a fundamental question. Do you have to be Jew first in order to be Christian? Do you have to be a Jew in order first to be Christian? And for, all, for those of us, this is far removed, but it's, I think it's an interesting thought because really the first Christians were all Jewish, right? And the Bible at the time was the Old Testament, which was the same scripture that a lot of Jewish people did. And so actually a lot of the people in the church we're saying that, yes, you had to be a Jew in order to be Christian. And a lot of the other people in the church are saying, no, you don't have to be a Jew first to be uh, Christian. You can just be straight Christian." And so I mean, I think in that sense, maybe a lot of us feel that we understand that tension, right? There are a lot of times there are questions and situations that divide us, that people land on different sides. And so this is why in Acts 15, the church first convened their first council, their church-wide council, and they wanted to settle this question once and for all, for all churches. And they actually landed on that you don't have to be Jew in order first to be Christian. You can just believe and be Christian. And from from that point on, was everything hunky-dory with the church? Was everyone getting along? No. And we actually see later on in Acts that the Apostle Paul goes to Jerusalem, and he is then accused of bringing a Gentile into the temple courts. And because of that, he is arrested. And this leads on to this whole story. And so I share that because I ask this question, as we even read here in Ephesians, right? Paul believed that Jesus made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating himself one new people from two groups. And yet he is arrested because he brings in a Gentile, into the, into the temple, and Jews arrest him. So does that invalidate this message that Paul is trying to preach? Was Paul's work somehow in vain because of that? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. For those of us who allow Jesus' authority to grow in our lives, we will be able to experience what Paul is talking about here. Real peace and wholeness. And even the Isaiah passage that I started with this morning, his ruling authority will grow and there'll be no limits to the wholeness he brings. I think that is where really the hope lies. That even though the situations that we find ourselves in, even though we believe that Jesus is our Prince of Peace, we'll be faced with situations and times where it feels like all there is is just conflict. That the truths that we sing in songs, that we get taught, that we read in our scripture, when we see this world, all we see is brokenness. All we see is the fractures. All we see is the conflicts and the hostilities. Does that invalidate what we read, what we sing, what we believe? No. Jesus is still our Prince of Peace. And those of us who live under the authority of, of him will one day get to experience that true wholeness and peace. And so just to maybe even help understand what the struggle is like, I'm, I don't know if I, that many people have seen this show, but it's an Apple TV show called Ted Lasso. Um, I just want to see how many people actually have seen this show. Okay, good. About half. That's more than I, I thought because this is Apple TV and you, know, you need a subscription and I don't know unless you buy a new device or something. It's not free, so. But this this show this show is about an American uh, college football co- coach called Ted Lasso, by the name. It's it's a it's a comedy, uh, but what I really love about this show is it's it's, just, it's very smart in its dialogue and, and very actually real to the situation. So so, Ted Lasso, he uh, he gets hired as this uh, a, the head coach of a premier league soccer team in England. He knows zero <laughs> about soccer. Um, and so he finds himself in this situation where he's trying to coach a team, and he's learning the rules of soccer as he's coaching. But what I find so interesting is he's really there to help them do this, believe. Believe in each other, believe in their team. And he puts up uh, this little poster sign on this first day in the office, and, uh, and I, I love it because it's, it's not, it's like, you can see the duct tape and it's like, looks like <laughs> he just wrote in marker on this. And for everybody, everybody in the beginning, from all the way from the owner of the, the soccer team, all the way down to the players, even the custodial staff, nobody believes in this team. Nobody wants to like, everyone's just checking it in, nobody cares, you know, everyone's just playing their own game, wanting to do their own thing. And I think what's so interesting about this is this show kind of shows this progression, right? That as he, he's this eternal optimist, he keeps trying to help people see that, yes, we can, this is possible. And, and as the story goes on, actually, they, they don't, things don't turn out that, that good, you know? There are still challenges along the way. And I, you know, I'm trying to hold myself from spoiling the show. I, uh, that's, a, that's a weakness of mine, I think. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm really, really trying hard not to. But, but, but it's just so interesting because the show doesn't make everything work out in the end. And I think this is a good picture, that the struggle is real when we participate in the work of Jesus as a Prince of Peace. As he brings wholeness to, to us and to the conflicts and the brokenness that we face. And let me read this again. You know, like, I believe that a lot of times we, when we face the brokenness and the hurts and the pain and the conflict, like, it's so difficult for us to just keep going. Because sometimes we feel like the cost is just too high. And I can tell you, you know, these past few weeks, I mean, some of you may know, like, yeah, I, I feel that. I really feel that, honestly. And I was just sharing with Pastor Dave right before this that I feel that because of these past few weeks, like, I feel like God has allowed me to preach this because as I was reading my sermon, I really needed to read my own sermon last night. Um... Yeah, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. But because our hope is in Jesus, that's why we can keep going. It says it right here in, that, in verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. Christ himself. It's because of our hope in Jesus that changes everything. Not like Ted Lasso, where it's just this sort of optimism and the goodness of humanity. Not because of any skill, any program, any policy that that we'll hope to have wholeness in our lives or in our church. But because of Jesus himself. He is our Prince of Peace. He is our hope. He is the one who has brought us peace and because of that we can keep going we can keep facing the hardships and the and the cost and the conflict and i think ultimately this peace even though we don't see it today will be there in the end that jesus is inevitable that he will complete what he has started And that is our hope. And there's this beautiful picture in the end of Revelation, or actually it's in chapter 7, of a huge multitude of people, of every tribe and nation and tongue and language. And they're all standing before God's throne and saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And I see that, and that is our hope that in the end, there's no more discrimination, racism, racial tensions, conflict because of differences, because of political beliefs. It's not that we're whitewashing all of it or, or just somehow being colorblind to it all, but somehow, some way, at the end of history, when God brings everything back, the, the diversity that we face won't be the reasons for our conflicts. The diversities and the differences that we have with each other will actually make everything more beautiful because there will be real wholeness to all of us one day. And this is why we can struggle towards wholeness. And this is why we can keep fighting and keep working at what God has called us to do. And so I, as we close our time together, I just I want to share this story um, it's about a man named Horatio Spafford. Um, he was a lawyer back in the 1800s and he experienced great tragedy in his life. Uh, you know, those of us that are native Chicagoans, we know that there was a great Chicago fire back I think in the 1830s. Um, and in that fire he lost his four-year-old son. And not only did he lose his son, he also lost his whole business as a lawyer. I mean, he had a lot of investment properties and things like that. Lost it all. And then a couple of years later, his family was trying to travel, you know, wanted to travel to England. And, you know, back then, you just couldn't fly. You had to take a ship, and it was months' travel. And as he was traveling on his ship, it, uh, well, before they traveled, he had to finish up uh, some different business deals in Chicago. And so he told his wife and his four daughters to go ahead without him. And when they did, that ship ran into another ship and sank. And then he received a telegram from his wife to say that she only survived. And so here's this guy, Horatio Spafford. He lost his uh, all his kids. You know, lost his business. He lost everything. And what, what hope does he have left? What kind of optimism can you have in that situation? And yet, he goes to his wife, he goes on a ship, he passes by uh, the, where the other ship ran into it, where he lost his daughters, and he writes a hymn. <clears throat> he writes a hymn, It is well with my soul. And I'm just going to invite the praise team to come up, and we're going to sing this together. But this hymn, as we sing it, I just want us to just reflect on that even as Horatio lost everything, he was willing to face the brokenness that he felt in the grief, that he just wasn't willing just to compartmentalize it and just put it away and ignore it. But he was willing to face it through this hymn. And then not by his own strength, but by his dependence on Jesus as his Prince of Peace. He struggled towards wholeness. And you can even feel the struggle in his words of this hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And so as we sing, I just want this song to really just help us to reflect. Are we willing to face the brokenness that's underneath? Are we willing to struggle towards wholeness because Jesus is our hope, not by our own strength, but by his? And if we are willing, his authority will grow in our lives, and there will be no limits to the wholeness he brings. Let's pray. Father, we just uh, ask that even as we sing this song, Lord, I just pray that you would, Lord, help us to just trust in you. Lord, I know that these days trust is so fragile, so limited. Lord, even people that we've known many, many years, it's hard to just really trust because we just don't know. But Father, I pray that you help us to trust in you. That you are greater than any person, any pain, any brokenness. You are greater than any grief, any conflict. That we can trust in you and the wholeness that you bring. So Father, I pray that you would open our hearts to trust in you again. Help us recommit our lives to you. And Lord, as we recommit, Lord, help us walk with us as we face the brokenness that is before us. And Lord, help us to persevere in the struggle because you are the one who has called us. May you do this not for our sake, but for you, because you are worthy of it all. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.